Well, greetings to each of you and welcome back to The Shakedown, a podcast about corrections, for corrections, and by corrections. I am your host, Aaron Dawson. Good to be back with you uh, this week for another episode. Hope you're enjoying our uh, going through March, recognizing Women's History Month. Uh, enjoyed the conversations we had with Jail Commander Natasha Goings and Jail Bureau Commander Dan Cash. Uh, hope that you enjoyed them as well. Real excited about our interview today, taking a, a slightly different approach. Um, before we get into that, though, question for you. Uh, you ever had the thought or wondered where in the world do our policies and procedures come from? <laughs> <laughs> you know, something comes down from the administration, or maybe you're the administrator. <laughs> anyway, and, and something comes down from the administration, you think, where in the world did that come from? Well, there's a couple of options of where our policies and procedures can come from. Uh, one could be uh, that a group got together or someone uh, thought about, okay, what do we need to do? What are the basics of what we need to do? And what's the best way for us to do them? And so they wrote those policies and procedures based upon, in their mind and in their opinion, what it was that needed to be done. Uh, what it what was the best way to handle the situations that would come up, so forth and so on. Another way is, is somebody knows, hey, we got to have policies and procedures. So they contact an agency nearby them and say, hey, uh, do you mind if I get a copy of your policies and procedures and see what's going on with them? And so they get a copy of it and they read through it and they say, yep, that works for me. And so they, you know, take the name of that agency out and they put the name of their agency in and ta-da, we have our policies and procedures. Well, the problem with that is, with both of those situations is, is that it leaves some gaping holes in our policies and procedures. Um, because if, heaven forbid, we get sued and we have to be in a courtroom and defend what it is we do and why it is that we do it, the court is not going to uh, be interested in, in our our intent. They're not going to be interested in who we got it from or we did the quote-unquote best that we could. What they're going to be worried about is, do we align with what the law says? And that's one thing that... Uh, when we talk about things like that, that that is a resource that NIJO offers. Uh, they're legal-based guidelines. The legal-based guidelines are based upon the federal statutes uh, and case law, as well as the case law and statutes uh, that are specific to your state. Uh, so if you're not sure where your policies and procedures come from, maybe you need to check that out. And if it's not based upon what the law says, uh, Nigel's got that, that resource there available for you. If you're an administrator and that's something that you are concerned about or struggle with, uh, go to jailtraining.org, uh, click on that resources tab, uh, and take a look and, and check out those uh, legal-based guidelines and get in contact with them about what you need to do to make sure your policies and procedures are based upon what really matters. Now, to our episode today, I mentioned earlier that I was uh, really excited about this interview. Today, we're going to be interviewing a lady by the name of Megan Kennedy. Uh, now, I know on this podcast, often our focus is on corrections, corrections officers, inmates, uh, interaction between inmates and corrections officers, interactions between uh, staff as far as corrections staff. Uh, but there is a huge component of what goes on, goes on in our facilities uh, that doesn't have to do with corrections officers. Uh, it has to do with providing medical care. And often we, when we think about the functionalities of our jail, uh, often we don't necessarily remember them. 
Uh, well, one of the things that's unique about today's interview is Miss Kennedy. Uh, she is the division director um, for the detention health services at the Cochise County Jail in Bisbee, Arizona. Uh, one thing that I'm uh, really excited about is, is when we went and did the episodes uh, on the border, we were hosted by Cochise County Sheriff's Office. So I had an opportunity uh, to meet uh, Miss Kennedy uh, face-to-face, not, not, over, not over Zoom or something like that, uh, but had the opportunity to tour their facility and see what it is that they do and uh, get a sense of the heartbeat of what it is that they do in their facility. And so uh, she's a, a great individual, as you're going to see. Uh, she's serious about her job, as you're going to see. And so I'm looking forward to being able to uh, talk with her today, uh, specifically about what it is she does as as a nurse, um, but also as a director of the medical services provided at Cochise County. So having said that, without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we are here today with Miss Megan Kennedy from Cochise County Sheriff's Office in Bisbee, Arizona. Um, as I mentioned earlier, not a corrections officer, a nurse, the uh, division director for detention health services there in Cochise County. So, uh, Megan, it is good to be with you today and good to have you on with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, and I'll tell you, one of the things I think is is very appropriate is, you know, when we think about jail functions, um, you know, the, the focus is often on the law enforcement side of things. And uh, the medical staff is either, they're either the heroes or the villains, depending on the circumstances. <laughs> but, Definitely. <laughs> could not do what we do if it weren't for you guys doing what you do. So I'm glad that we can get a uh, similar connected perspective, but even if it is a slightly different perspective on, on the topic. Um, so as we get, get rolling, especially, you know, being that, um, you are in the nursing profession. So just out of curiosity, um, did you start in, in the nursing profession outside of corrections and then move into it? Or was that your goal to begin with? Um, I actually started, uh, in the jail and this jail, about almost 18 years ago and this jail raised me <laughs> and they uh, the county also helped pay for my nursing degree so i started as just an emt and not just an emt i started as an emt and i <laughs> stayed and i decided that this was going to be my home and it's been that way ever since <laughs> so was your intention always medical profession or was that no. just kind of a, as you got into it, thought, hey, I might want to do that? <laughs> so I actually started, my intention was that um, I always wanted to be a firefighter. And so okay. I started out in EMS and working for a fire department. And I got a job at a juvenile detention center. And I was doing it. I loved it, actually. <laughs> I was doing Good. that and really and totally different, but I really liked it. And then whenever I saw a position open for a correctional health technician, I thought that was the perfect way to combine them. And so I went ahead and came over to the jail and started working and doing that. And I've been doing it ever since. I never wanted to be a nurse. Even through nursing school, I didn't want to be a nurse. I thought they were grumpy, mean individuals, and they just hated their lives. And I thought it was because they were nurses. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, nope, I don't want to do that. But it eventually just kind of came down to that. And now I'm still here. 
<laughs> that is awesome. Well, I'll tell you, just in the personal interaction that I've had with medical staff in jails, you know, the it's interesting to see the variety of you have some that, you know, they started in a doctor's office, a hospital, whatever, oh, and yeah. then decided, well, I'm going to try the corrections nursing thing. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of it where, you know, that was their intention all along. And then, you know, if they look at the free world nursing, the, the you know, zero interest in, the, in that whatsoever, not so forth <laughs> so on. So anyway, that is, that is intriguing. Well, good deal. <laughs> well, being that it is uh, <clears throat> Women's History Month, and we are focusing on on that fact this month, um, wanted to see. I mean, especially given the unique set of circumstances with which you got involved in the position that you're in now, <laughs> um, do you feel like that as you work through that process, be it from the fire department working through, and then when you got into the correction side of things, do you do you feel like you faced any challenges in that process, or even now in your position? Specifically because you're a woman. Uh, no, I don't feel that I've faced any challenges specifically because I'm a woman, but I just believe that it takes a strong minded and ethical individual to with good morals to work in a correctional in a correctional setting and succeed, whether you're working as a detention officer or in correctional health care. Well, good. Well, then I'll tell you the, you know, it, and again, I, this is just pulling off the, the top of my head, but you know, the most of the nurses that I have seen in correctional facilities have been female. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the county that that I came from, we did have a few uh, male nurses, but the majority of them were were female. I don't know if that's a thing. If that's you know, I'd be curious to know what the average of that is. If that's a if that's a common trend. Yeah, um, for the majority in my career, we have the majority of my staff and. My coworkers have been female in the medical department, and I think it's because there's a lot more female nurses than there are sure. male nurses. And I sure. mean, it's growing for sure. I do think that I, uh, the nurses specifically face challenges in corrections, whether oh, they're yes. a, ma a male or a female, that are completely different than the challenges that they would face anywhere else. And I think one of those is, and it could also affect, you know, like a, you know, female more is that you're, you go through nursing school and your entire time during nursing school, they're teaching you to nurture and how to be compassionate. <laughs> and, you know, whenever you're in nursing school, I think I, I think I had an entire chapter on therapeutic communication and, you know, and whenever you go into a correctional set, like a correctional nursing role, the nurturing portion of your job is completely different. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to make a sit down and shut up sound nurturing. I mean, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that. <laughs> and the therapeutic communication that I learned. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, so as you got, you know, like you said, you know, you, you were, your goal in getting in corrections was, you know, specifically the medical <laughs> side of things. So Based on when you were first getting that ball rolling and your perception of this is what it's going to be like when I get there, this is what I'm going to do, so forth and so on. Now that you're on the other side of that coin, um, is there anything that you would have liked to have known when you started that you know now? All of it. I wish I would have <laughs> known all of it. <laughs> I think that what stands out the most to me is I wish I would have known how to behave. And I know mm. that, that might sound odd, but I really feel like it would have been beneficial. You know, I entered this 
career is, you know, I was young. I didn't have a lot of experience. I was pretty naive. And I came in thinking that nobody was going to dupe me and I wasn't going to get gamed by these inmates. And I wasn't going to be on the front page news and, you know, on the front page of the newspaper. And so I really came in with a mindset that I, you know, that was, that was who I was going to be. And there was no changing that. And I didn't realize that I could still be firm, fair, and consistent sure. without being a nasty person, you know, sure. And, sure. I, and I feel like, you know, you set the mood for your day, you set the mood for your tasks. I tell my staff all the time, you know, like when you see an inmate in the clinic and they walk into your clinic and as soon as they walk in, you say, have a seat and you start getting their vitals and you don't even tell them what you're going to do. You don't tell them what, why they're in there. And you start the mood with your attitude and the way that you're approaching it. And you do the same with your med pass anytime you have a contact with somebody. And so I feel like if I'd have been taught that from the very beginning, I probably would have set the mood a lot differently. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> hi, good morning. How are you? I'm Megan. This is what we're going to do today. Yeah. Because a little bit of kindness goes a very, very long way. Well, you know, the just again, from the corrections officer side of it, from my you know, experience, I have seen that play out. Where you know I bring an inmate to medical, you know, and the inmate, you know, he and the inmate and I are already fussing with each other. And you get in there and you see both sides. You see the nurse that comes out and starts fussing, and you're thinking, "Great, that this 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 is helping a lot." Thank you. Or then the flip side of it, where I'm ready to just you know wring this guy's neck, so to speak, and the nurse comes out like you said with the "Good morning," you know, whatever, and the whole thing is done right there. I mean, everything's calm, everything's great. And it, Absolutely. you know, when I left medical with the inmate, everybody was in a better frame of mind than yeah. when we got there. So you yeah, know, so. definitely. Awesome. It would have, when I started, you know, we had training officers, and it, you know, it was a long time ago, but it was so it was a little bit more old school. But I spent my first two days with our training officer, and I had to watch videos and. They were boring, you know, but I think back on them all the time. I'm like, those were so beneficial and they helped me so much because I'd never, you know, and I had been a juvenile detention officer before, but I was going to be in a completely different role and just knowing, you know, what was going to be contraband and what was going to be safe for me and what was going to be safe for everybody else around me was a huge deal. And I feel like that's lacking in a lot of jails as far as like getting non-custody staff to go through that, you know, process on their first couple, within their first couple of days before there's any issues that come up. Right. Absolutely. So in your current position, what do you you feel like is your greatest challenge now uh, that that you deal with on a regular basis? Um, in my current, well, I think staffing, you know, that's, that's always going to be an issue, but, um, uh, taking work home with me, um, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm on call 24 seven, so I've got to take it home with me most of the time, but, you know, learning how to leave the majority of work at home, you know, if I can't fix it whenever I'm not here, then I don't need to be worrying about it at home. Right, right, and, and yes, yeah, I've, you know, we always hear that saying: you leave home at home and work at work, and mm-hmm. that sounds great, and I'm sure it makes a nice wall hanging. But in reality, if you care, you don't stop caring when I hit the parking lot, you know. Yep. And, and I'm on my way home, so yes, yes. So, in in the the medical, uh, the corrections nursing profession, 
what do you feel like is is the greatest challenge facing that profession as not just you specifically but as the profession as a whole what do you think the greatest challenge is well i think right now across arizona and i'm pretty sure it's it's the same across the rest of the states um we're seeing a lot more just sicker individuals you know these individuals are more sick they have more like severe chronic illnesses and the substance abuse is just yes. horrible and the fentanyl withdrawals are the worst withdrawals I've ever seen. Yes. And, you know, we're down here on the border, so we definitely get a lot of that. And, right. you know, it's, it's in our backyard. And so that's been a, been a huge issue for us. And I also think that one of our biggest challenge in this profession is the lack of case law based guidelines that, make the health correctional healthcare professionals and the entities that supply those professionals more defendable. And mm. I know that there's, you know, like there's Nigel has some good standards, some good guidelines for standards, you know, and right. there's a few other, you know, companies out there that'll do like standard of care and, you know, suggestions, but you know, I want to dig deeper into that and I want to know why we do the things that we do sure. and sure. why, you know, attach some case law to it and want right. to know what it, why it is that we should be doing this. Yes. Well, you know, having conversations with this, it's interesting you brought that up, having conversations. I said the last six months with some people from different areas, you know, that when you need guidance, if there isn't the case law, you know, I, I, heard, I talked to one agency, you know, they went to one of their circuit judges and said, hey, this is what we feel like we need to do. And we do it. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're asking this person his his <laughs> or her opinion. And, you know, and he and the, from what I understand, the judge made the statement. Well, this this isn't what the law there is no law on this, but this is what I would do. Well, now you have a judge making a medically based decision. And so, you know, I I get it. The ambiguity there would be, I mean, right. You you realize this is what this patient needs, but in this setting, can I do that? Absolutely. (laughs) So yes, I can, I can see that being, of course, the only, unfortunately, the only way that usually case law gets set is uh, when, you know, somebody gets sued. (laughs) Um, it's so, okay. I like learning from other people's mistakes, you know, like because it's somebody just, else's mistake. Yeah. Tell, <laughs> yeah. Show, show me that case law. I'll read it. I'll learn from that mistake. Uh, so you heard it, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, if you would like to get sued on a medical thing, Miss Kennedy would be happy to quote your case law. That is fantastic. <laughs> Looking for volunteers. <laughs> One more question for you. Um, if you had, if you know, if you had an opportunity, now granted you're in, you're in South Arizona there. And so the odds of you crossing paths with um, a host of prospective correctional nurses across the country, who knows, but you know, (laughs) the likelihood is not real high. If you could throw one piece of advice out there to them that, Hey, you're getting started in this. um, You need to, you need to think about this. You need to remember this. What would that be? Um, Well, I think that uh, one of the, biggest things that I'd like to mention is, you know, whenever you take that position, whether you're taking a position in jail as an officer or as a nurse, you are putting yourself in a position of power, whether you like it or not, you know, you come in and you, you know, you're going to walk into that jail every single shift and you're going to enter the facility in a position of power. And 
each of us is gifted with managing and caring the inmate caring for the inmates that are housed in that facility yeah and so you just have to make a conscious decision every single day to use your power for good or for evil and i suggest you choose good (laughs) you know and i think that um it you know it's real easy to uh abuse that power even unknowingly you know Yeah. yeah and uh even though you might be new to the team and in corrections or in the nurse in correctional nursing, I just say, lead the way, you know, make sure that you're setting a good example and make, you know, be somebody every day at the job that would make yourself proud. Yes. And, you know, I, I'll tell you the, the number of people that I have talked to former inmates um, that, you know, they always have that one person at the jail that they, they remember that they, you know, hey, is so and so still working at the jail? Oh, yeah. you know, I remember when I was there, <laughs> and some of it positive, some of it negative. But mm-hmm. but it was it was interesting to me how many times you know, it wasn't just corrections officers. Often it was medical staff. It was yeah. somebody that might be considered an ancillary part of what's going on, but mm-hmm. yet still they made an impact on that inmate's life, and they remember. So absolutely, absolutely, well, good deal. Well, good deal. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for taking some time out of your uh, busy day to to uh, be with us this afternoon. Uh, was, it was awesome being able to talk with you. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Well, as you uh, as I said before, definitely a different perspective, but glad that we we spent the time and did it. Um, as always, guys, you got thoughts, questions. You can shoot us an email at the shakedown at jailtraining.org. And we'd be happy to get that that question answered. But until the next time, as always, be sharp, be safe, be vigilant. Godspeed.